Hello and welcome to another episode of The Advantage. I am your host, Michael Fiddle. Today is Saturday, November 18th, and you already know what it is. It is a Saturday show in which we are breaking down the DFS board for Sunday, Week 11 football. We are going to help you make the million dollars. This is going to be a DFS episode first, and then I'm going to let Mike go, unless he wants to stay with me for the betting portion, and then get into the best bets. I only have two best bets this week. It is a slate that I much prefer the DFS slate as opposed to the betting board. So let's get deep into the weeds of the DFS board, break down it all, and then we'll hit the best bets at the end. Before I bring in Mike, let me remind you guys to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to. I'd really love to juice up those written reviews. So if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, please go to the show homepage, scroll to the bottom, and add me a five stars and a written review. We all know it's a five-star episode. And then, of course, sign up for my Substack at fiddlespicks.substack.com. Actually, just fiddlespicks.substack.com at fiddlespicks on Twitter. I will make sure everything is linked in the show below. And here he is, the guy who absolutely dominated last week. Uh, tournaments, yeah. head-to-head, cash. Break us down how your went, how your week went last week, Mike. Yeah, tournaments were really good to me. I... Uh leaned into the Dak CD Lamb stacks. They were low owned. They made it made a ton of sense. The one miss step I guess you could make uh that I made was I brought along Ferguson for that ride. I mean he did score a touchdown, but I need Brandon Cooks as the the other ingredient of that to really get to the top of the leaderboard. So overall up uh like four or five hundred for the week. So hell yeah. Good you stuff. make me look good by doing that because I get to bring you on. I actually <laughs> had a goose egg last week. I only played one tournament because I didn't love the slate. This is a week where I really do like the board, so we're going to jump yeah. back in pretty strong. We'll start off where we always do, Mike, which is high-spend quarterbacks. And finally, my guy is back, but I have some questions for you because he's in a really tough matchup. And it's yeah. Josh Allen. We always talk about is Mahomes on the slate, is Hurts on the slate, is Josh Allen on the slate. This week, only one of those dogs because Hertz and Mahomes are playing against each other in the game that we will all be watching on Monday night. Maybe we'll talk how we showdown it at the end of the episode. Josh Allen comes in as 8,200. Bills reeling, firing their offensive coordinator. But yet, basically, Josh Allen is a, a cinch for a good fantasy performance nonetheless. Tua Tagovailoa comes in 7,700 against the Vegas Raiders coming off a two-game win streak. Justin Herbert at Green Bay in Lambeau in November. Chargers are the sharp side, but I'm going to have a tough time playing a, team, playing a quarterback in Lambeau this late in the season. Dak Prescott has been absolutely balling the number one fantasy quarterback over the last four weeks. Someone that Mike just said he... Helped him bring home some big bucks last week. And lastly, rounding out the over 7,000 cutoff that we use to describe a high-spend option is the rookie who's injected himself into the MVP conversation, C.J. Strad, coming in with 14 <laughs> touchdowns and one interception, I think I think the stats are. Something uh, crazy. He's yeah. been unbelievable. I'm just going to start this off right now. I know that we're going to talk about that uh, Cardinals – uh Houston game it does have the highest total on the board we were talking pre-show that it does have some value for me it's not in the CJ Stroud I'd love to get your opinion there but I, it's too it's too early I'm I'm not yet bought in to then spend high spend in a DFS contest on this rookie QB uh if I'm going anywhere at the top of the board Mike and I'm probably not this week but if I was because we like to give the people who listen an option if you do want to spend high up on quarterback it's Josh Allen, despite the Jets matchup. How do you feel about the Jets matchup? How do you feel about Stroud? And if you had to choose a high-spend quarterback, who would it be? Yeah, I mean, you're going to be pretty unique because no one wants to play Josh Allen right now, even though he's been the number one fantasy QB year-to-date. I That was as of last week. I haven't checked uh, based off last week. But I, it, it's shaky, man. There's... There's turnovers every week, it seems. They just, something seems to be off with them. If you are into buying low on them, this is the time to do it. You know, I 
I don't think the Jets' defense is enough to make you not play somebody. They're they're awesome, and you wish it was a better matchup. But you know, Josh Allen can he still has a thirty plus point ceiling no matter who the matchup is. It's just uh, I don't know if I'm going to get there this week. Are there any high price quarterbacks that do tickle your fancy? I'm looking at the opponent rank sixth for Josh Allen, hardest defense, eighth for Tua, second for Herbert, seventh for Dak. All of these red matchups at the top two. If you are hard pressed and you were forced to spend money up on a quarterback, that's not the world that we live in in DFS. But who would you choose? I'd go right back to Dak. They are just passing the ball like crazy. It's it's working. They are, they crush bad teams. That's what, you know, that's the narrative on Dak, right? They light up, they light up the bad teams. And then when it's the 49ers or a good team, that's when he starts to shrink in the moment. They're 10 and 10 and a half point favorites. I believe last time I checked it's in Carolina, which makes it a little less appealing, but they have some injuries on the defensive end and CD lamb is just playing out of his mind right now. So I would have and probably will be going right back to Dak CeeDee Lamb. No one wants to play it again. I'm seeing under 5% ownership on both of them. They did see some price increases, but not enough that it's going to deter me from going away from them. My deterrent is the gambling angle that I'm on the uh, under 41 and a half or I'm not on. I've been eyeing the under 41 and a half, knowing 41 super key number. 40 and 41 are the two most common outcomes in NFL games. So knowing that it's just hovering around there, it opened at 42 and a half for the week and it's been trending down. So that is my concern about playing into this and hoping for a lot of scoring. But of course, that just can all just be a reflection of the Carolina Panthers are just not going to be able to score. I was going to say it could be just a 35 to 3 beat down. (laughs) Exactly. All right, let's go through some of the value option quarterbacks. I'm going to give five of them, Mike, and you tell me what, you know, sticks out to you the most. I think we have to start Justin Fields and Jared Goff playing against one another. Both have solid matchups. Opponent ranks 23 and 27, respectively. Goff has been rolling, and he's at home in the Dome where he's really good. Uh, They've been featuring Gibbs more, and it's been more of a passing attack, especially in the red zone. They go for it on pretty much every fourth and short. Uh, Mm -hmm. Justin Fields coming off of injury, but he slips right back into that good matchup, which could be a high-scoring game. And, of course, he has that rushing upside. It is a little bit pricey, 6900 coming off the injury. The other few that I'm talking about are Sam Howell. The The New York Giants are potentially the worst team I've ever seen play NFL football this year. And the commanders with Howell throw the ball essentially 40 times. So you, sh- you still should have pretty high volume against lackluster competition, which makes me interested. Brock Purdy is another guy that makes me interested. He's just too cheap. He is just 5,800 for a guy that couldn't be more consistent and has great stack options. And then the last one is Kyler Murray, 6,100, playing into some rushing upside, some cheap value with him two games off the injury, looking good the first game, and the Cardinals being the sharp side for this game, coming in with some late steam, bringing it down from six to five and a half a key number change happening on the board right now. Uh, any of those quarterbacks stand out to you? Yeah, I I like them all. But to pick out my favorite of the bunch, I'm going to be riding with Brock Purdy in cash. I was deciding between Purdy and Murray. Obviously, Murray has the rushing upside. He looked, you know, he looked great last week. I was like, I was off him last week. I wanted nothing to do with it until I saw it. Um, and you know, he looks he looks good and healthy, but man, Brock Purdy just it's like you said, it's too cheap too at fifty eight hundred. Crazy. And I'll just take the extra three hundred dollar savings. Tampa Bay has been getting smashed in the air as of late. They play a lot of zone, and the 49ers have some zone killers. Debo Samuel, you get him into open space. There's liable for big plays all over the place. Ayuk is a monster. We know what George Kittle does, CMC out of the backfield. So there's a lot of ways it could go right for Brock Purdy. Even, you know, I like including CMC in Purdy stacks just because 
Um, you pretty much cover all the 49ers touchdowns when you include those two in your stack. Right. There's, you know. Does the Tampa defense being very good against the rush and shutting down Derrick Henry last week scare you against the CMC or is CMC just completely matchup proof? Yeah. I mean, last week he didn't score a touchdown and he still got 20 points. Like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and this could be another week where it's just another thir- 34 to three win for San Francisco. Exactly. And he's, he's good for four to six catches a week. So even if it, his rushing efficiency isn't all the way there, he's going to get it done in the passing game to make up for it. it you know, I wish he was a little cheaper, but he, He's at a price you could, if you're starting with Purdy, you could absolutely fit him in this week. Um, and I and to go to Fields and Goff real quick, those are two very interesting plays for tournaments. Goff, it's pretty clean who to stack him with. And then Fields just has, you know, nuclear upside. We've seen he, he can break the slate on his own. Um, is it likely? Not, probably not, but there's a non-zero chance he just goes hog wild on the ground and puts up 300 yards in the air. We've seen him do it a couple times this year, actually. So um, Fields is definitely interesting. We can get into some field stacks in a bit. Cole Komet has been just on a yeah. tear the last few weeks. Yeah. So that would be an, an interesting option to look at there. Uh, if we are going to talk about the running backs, we are, we we mentioned McCaffrey. I think it's mm-hmm. if you're going to go cash game, it's a if you're going to go Purdy, it's a beautiful stack. A lot of the optimizers are already doing it. Uh, yep. It makes it pretty clear as day. I'm going to go with the same concept where I'm going to fade Eckler. I know it's actually a decent matchup, and his volume's been super elite. Back to what do you have? 19 carries and seven targets last year. That's insane. I just I've been gambling too long. I do not like to play anything away in Lambeau in November. Now, it could be a changing of the tide because Packers just aren't it this year, especially on defense. They just don't seem to be putting it together. However, historically, I'm going to need to be proven wrong for a season before I, I, you know, just go harsh the other way on it. So I'm going to be avoiding Austin Eckler. I just hate the matchup when you're in Lambeau in cold weather. Travis Etienne. Eh, probably a situation I want to avoid going against Tennessee. I am on the uh, Jaguars for bet purposes, so I will mm-hmm. be riding them. But I do think playing against Tennessee Rundy is the one thing they're actually decent at at defense. Saquon is an absolutely, you cannot touch him. He's priced in no man's land because he's kind of still above that $7,000 spend up, but you can't touch him. But it's also no. this, the, the point where if they put him with Bijan, which is probably where he should be, right? Saquon realistically should be what six thousand four hundred dollars. Yeah, six somewhere around there. Then everyone would play him. So Saquon's stuck in no man's land, where actually no one's going to play him because if the Giants were rolling, he'd be eight two. Since the Giants are sucking, he should be six four, and he's plopped there at seven one, untouchable. Uh, and then the last one that comes in above the seven thousand is Jameer Gibbs. Rookie getting a lot of the work. We know rookies start to shine later in the season. We had that moment where David Montgomery said he took himself out of the game to give Jameer Gibbs the touchdown. I don't think that's going to happen too many more times this season. <laughs> uh, so it does, I, I get a little bit questionable to play Gibbs, but his volume has been great. Who are you choosing for high spend running backs? And let's even include Mostert in there, 6,900, because the matchup is amazing. Yeah, Mostert's a pass for me with HN back. Um, I just a little concerned about what what it's going to look like. If it's a 50-50 split, I think 6900 is a little too expensive for Mostert, even though we've seen both of them smash in the same game before. Yeah, uh, that's not Denver. Yeah, exactly. That was kind of fluky. Obviously, they're not going to score 70 points a game. So uh, we already touched on McCaffrey. I think ETN is my favorite out of those next bunch, just because there is the narrative. You can't run on Tennessee, but that hasn't been the case lately. And I do expect this to be a big bounce back spot for Jacksonville. His role is elite. Tank Bigsby stinks. Um, and then it's turn <laughs> tell all the preseason him. tweeters to go the fuck home with Tank Bigsby. <laughs> go home to your he, wife. 
He stinks. He fumbles every time he touches the ball or he's dropping the pass. It's it's bad. So there's virtually like he has the second best role in the league behind McCaffrey. And he he's getting receptions this year, which we've been waiting on for the past couple of years from him. So I'm okay going with ETN. And it's a pretty good price for him at 7,200. Sidebar, is Trevor Lawrence even startable in a 12-team league anymore? Mm, I I still think so. I think last week, it was just a bad matchup last week. It's just, it happened. Two so points hard. last week and not even breaking 20 once on the year. Yeah. There, was a, there was a big trade in my, in my league where uh, a team that just lost Burrow made a panic move to bring in Trevor Lawrence. Uh, mm-hmm. But I am. Um, I was like, I'd rather even Jordan Love or potentially Bryce Young in a good mm. matchup or Stafford in a good matchup on waivers. Josh Dobbs, baby. Dobbs is very owned in my <laughs> league. And very much owned. He should be in every league. Um, yeah. Who's the best value running back on the board? I think the same as last week. It's Devin Singletary at 5,300. He's with Damian Pierce ruled out again. They again, he has no competition for uh, carries and targets behind him out of the backfield. He had 30 carries last week. I, I, it probably won't balloon to that again, but he was, he was playing against me in fantasy last week in season long, <laughs> which is why he had 30 for 150. And yeah. I thought he <laughs> against me when you stream a Devin Singletary randomly. But he's he's clean, it's a clean matchup again. Um, price is great. Brian yeah. Robinson at 5,800 is in consideration. Uh, did we get news on Gibson? Is he out? I can or is he up. still questionable? Either way. Doubt, he's been so, moved to doubtful. Okay. Uh, so, yeah. not, I, you know, I don't think him being out means Brian Robinson gets 100% of the work, but probably pretty close to it against this Giants defense. Now, the only concern with Robinson, obviously, is how much they love to throw the ball. And he's not, a, I know he got some passing down work last week, but that's pretty anomalous for him. So he you know, broke that, one, that be, he broke a huge one to the house, right? Exactly. That'd be yeah. my one pause with him. But um, if you want to call Aaron Jones at 6,200 a value, I, I think he makes a lot of sense. The Chargers defense is not that great. We're starting to see Aaron Jones become the guy in Green Bay's offense like he should be. Um, so Aaron Jones at 6,200. Now he's going to come with some ownership, as is those other two guys I mentioned. So yep. cash game options probably for me, or if you want to get play you know, those guys and then just get different elsewhere. But I think you just hit them both on the head. It's, it's no-brainer Devin Singletary. Absolute lock. Put it in a core four. If you're playing in a cash lineup, you're doing yourself a major disservice by not putting him in at that at that value and that workload. Uh, I love the Brian Robinson angle, and I'm just deciding between Brian Robinson and Aaron Jones. Like you just hit them across the board for me. So I don't think we even need to like overly nuance ourselves with talking about other people. The other two that I would just throw out there are James Conner and Brees Hall. Are mm-hmm. are players who are still getting so much workload and are below 6,500. So I like those two options, but the the matchup for Connor's good matchup for Brees Hall against the Bills. Nah, it's going to, that might be a very low scoring game. Uh, I think that's. Do you want to do the Pollard versus CMC thing again? No, <laughs> <laughs> I'm out. Tony Pollard, man. So frustrating. Should we do the Rico Dowd versus Tony Pollard thing this week? Uh, uh, don't tempt me. I think <laughs> I picked is, up Rico Dell in a lot say, of my season is, log leagues. Just is that is that the way to do it? You just pick him up and stash him in season long at this point because Tony's been yeah. so bad. Yeah, they just don't they don't utilize him correctly. It's so they used to, and then this year I don't know if it's just McCarthy doesn't know what to do with him. But I mean, he's a passing game weapon, and they don't use him at all in the passing game. It's I don't know. What about anyway. what about what about Jalen Warren now apparently being the starter over Najee? Yeah, it's it, just so gross against this Cleveland D. 
Yeah, no thanks. And yeah. I think that's more nominal than anything, you know. They, it was still like a 50, like Najee got there last week on 4,900. So, you know, it's going to be like a 50-50 split, I think. I don't think it's going to be like 70-30 Warren anytime soon. So, um, I think you know, if it's a good matchup. Yeah, if it goes 70-30 Warren, then does Warren become Tony Pollard where his efficiency just tanks? Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> Story <laughs> for next determined. year when they probably boot Najee the fuck off the Steelers. All right, let's go over to the wide receivers. Tyreek, I mean, it is a two-man race at the top of the board between CMC and Tyreek for the AP Offensive Player of the Year, a.k.a. the award that's MVP besides quarterbacks. Uh, yeah. It is a two-man showdown between those two. So if we talked well about CMC. There's nothing bad we could say about Tyreek, especially in this game script where Miami Dolphins are home and clearly the sharp side for this game. They opened as a 10-point favorite. They're now out to 13.5. The one concern is that the, the total has dropped a few points. Um, it's gone from 48 to, I think, 45.5. That's not ideal because I think the, the premise is the Raiders are going to try and really run the ball, which, yep. again, doesn't make me want to fade Tyreek too much because he's still he could pop off with just a few plays and he's so explosive so I'm really not that concerned about Tyreek I kind of still like him in this matchup CD Lamb at this point it's too pricey for me so that's that's yeah. kind of why you're seeing <laughs> the low ownership 9,200 against Carolina in what should be an, a, an under game like I, I'm not scared of the matchup I'm scared of the game script so but did you see the video of them padding CD stats and talking about on the sideline that he needed one more catch for eight yards. And he, and they're talking about it with Dak and Dak's like, I got you. I got you. And then Dak finds out that he's going to be benched. And then they, they tell Cooper rush the stats and then Cooper rush gets it to him on like the second play of the drive. And then they immediately <laughs> nah, take I didn't CD see that. Everyone, <laughs> I'll look on Twitter about stat padding CD lamb. It All is right. clear that the organization knows that he wants 10 for 150 and a touchdown. So if he does that again, he's easily worth the price tag. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown coming in in a great yes. matchup at 8800 It is pricey, but it is also beautiful. At home, in the dome, with golf, against a very cake type of matchup. Expect high scoring, potentially the highest scoring game on the board this one. Mm -hmm. So I really like Amon Ra this week. I think that's sneaky. Uh, Keenan Allen, no thank you. Cooper Cup, is this finally... Yeah. The week that Cooper Cobb has his snapback game for me, 8,100 against the team that they've always shredded. Anytime yep. McVay and Stafford play against this Pete Carroll Seahawks, Rams do very well. Rams are the clear sharp side for this game. Uh, are they at home? It's This one's in Los Angeles, right? Yes. Honestly, don't even answer that because the Rams don't even have a home field advantage. Yeah, because it, doesn't, it doesn't matter. <laughs> no, no fans show up. So no matter what, it's kind of an away game. Uh, I really like Cooper Cup, though, at that price. To round out a few of the names priced over 7000 Jalen Waddle, Brandon Ayuk, Pookie Nakui, uh, and Mike Evans, Devontae, Phelan. I don't know if really any of those guys stick out to you. Who do you like top of the board if you're going to – Put yourself with a $7,000 cutoff. Who do you think are the main guys worth discussing? Uh, we touched on Amon Ross St. Brown. He, I'm just a big Amon Ross St. Brown guy. I always get him in season long. I make it a priority. Now, you could argue that his ceiling isn't always you know, comparable to someone like Tyreek because he's not a huge touchdown scorer, but I mean... 10, 150, and 1 is certainly within his range yeah. and probably is closer to the floor minus the touchdown. He's just uh, – and there's still nobody behind him really for target volume. You could argue Laporte is starting to creep his way up, but it's Amon Ra's show in the passing attack for Detroit, and we, we know that matchup is awesome. Uh, the one note I will say on Tyreek that – like, so if you're spending up, you have to choose between Tyreek and CMC this week, right? Yep. Tyreek. I would even I would even add in Cooper Cup in that mix. It's sure. hard to play even someone 8,100 and someone in the 9,000 group. Fair enough. I would agree. Um, Tyreek did pop up 
with a foot thing. I don't, you know, I don't think he's going to miss or anything like that. It's just, it's always, it always makes me a little uneasy when someone shows up on the injury report at the end of the week, just especially with the way teams have been reporting stuff now or not reporting it, you know, it, the whole Joe Burrow debate. Um, can I, can, and I then, can I take 20 seconds on that? Yeah, sure. Go, go for it. Fuck that. I'm so I'm so annoyed that we've reached the age where all these professional sports leagues are so okay with all of the betting. It is a way that they drive a lot of their business and viewership and interest. If there was not DFS, if there was not fantasy, if there was not betting, I don't know if I would actually still watch football. I'm being dead serious. This is the reason why I'm still engaged with the sport. So the to not properly report injuries is such a slap in the face and it also comes at the time when there has never ever ever been so much access to information in general there's social media coordinators doing promotions there's pr guys there's interviews three or four times a week they all have cell phones to tweet something out how are we getting less and less and less information every year more ambiguous reporting more uncertainty before the game like I understand the few and far between examples where it's like this is really a game time decision, but there's ways to communicate that. There's ways to say, "Hey guys, this is really a game time decision." He's going to go through his pregame warmups and see how he's feeling and get some stretching in, and then we're going to, you know, look at his explosion and see if he's ready and his pain level. But we also we need to know it's it's so fucking bad. It, it's NBA, it's NFL, it is it is the Bengals specifically going back to T. Higgins last year. There was even Ugh. a new rule put in the league this year, uh, Mike. I did a I did a podcast episode like two or three months ago with my friend Chris. Yeah. And yeah, we I reviewed all the new rule the rule changes, and there was stuff about injury designation and how many snaps you're gonna play. And it was basically the fucking T. Higgins rule. And now we're back at it again. I would love I would love the NFL to come down with some authority here. And like, I don't really know what they can do for me. I would love them to take a draft pick, like take, take a fourth round because a fourth rounder in the NFL is worth a lot. Right. right. We've seen, we've seen what CMC get moved for like a third rounder last year. Like it's just these, like these picks are worth so much. So let's send a message to the league and say, you know what, Bengals, we're taking your fourth round, not a compensatory seventh, which doesn't get used half the time. Not a, not a $500,000 fine that goes to the team owner and doesn't affect the books at all. If you're going to put a fine on them, put it on the fucking cap. Take a, take a pick. I absolutely hate the injury reporting that's going on, and it needs to be cleaned up. Couldn't have said it better myself. Unfortunately, I don't think you're going to get your wish. It's just going to be a random fine that... Yeah, the it is. owner right. makes in his sleep. So, you know, and we'll we'll be moving on like nothing ever happened. <laughs> All right. Let's, anyways, let's move on. <laughs> um, where were we? Spend ups. So, yeah, that would be my one. You know, that's not a reason to fade Tyreek. But, you know, when you're splitting hairs between picking between the two guys, uh, that gives me the slight edge to why I am on CMC this week in cash over Tyreek. But I wouldn't like shame anybody for playing Tyreek Hill. That's insane. What about, he has the highest ceiling, you know, of of any player on the slate, and it's not even close. Um, and I, I I agree, Cooper Cup is in a great spot uh, when Matthew Stafford is healthy. This is like their final stand, right? They're three and six, so it's now or never for them. In a great great spot against Seattle, you know, Seattle's secondary isn't. The Legion of Boom anymore. So Cooper Cup at 8,100. You know, if we told you a year ago that you were you'd be getting Cooper Cup at 8,100 dollars, you'd fully healthy with Stafford. I'd say every single week, every single week. Click that so fast. So yep, fully healthy. I don't know. I don't know if we could say fully healthy. I don't want to speak. Well, Stafford's fully healthy, (laughs) but healthy enough where I'm. Yeah, I'm probably the appearance of full health. What about Devontae? Because he's simply on the opposite side of Tyreek, and the Raiders are kind of throwing mm-hmm. the ball again and, like, airing it out. 
is Devontae too cheap in a decent matchup in a game script that could be very pass heavy to throw up some balls? Uh, the he he's probably going to have Ramsey on him. They do play like a man zone coverage type of scheme with Fangio, where they try and take away the explosive plays and keep you in front of them. Devontae is the explosive play guy, so it's not ideal. But if you're just getting the number one receiver opposed from Tyreek, then I think that's you know, and and his name happens to be Devontae Adams at over a thousand dollars less. I think it's worth worthy of discussion. Yeah, it's probably large field for me only. There's, I don't know, there's just a lot of downside risk to the Raiders yeah. offense with Aiden O'Connell. So um, we have seen Devontae have a pretty low floor, even with Derek Carr, even with uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. So the, the floor is what scares me sometimes with him. But if you want, you know, use him as a bring back in a Miami stack, I'm I'm on board with that, but yeah. Reminder: just, just, just know that you can eat it. you can eat a pretty low score with Devontae too. Like a two catches for 21 yards. He's done that this season. Okay, yeah. let's keep going. Let's uh let's identify some values. Who would you say is the best value option at the wide receiver position? And then I'll give you mine. You already got you already went one for one on running back. <laughs> uh Tank. Dell at 5,900 is pretty juicy to me. He's, you know, Nico's back this week, which could limit his targets a little bit, but Noah Brown is out this week now. So it's going to be Dell, Nico, and Robert Woods against a pretty clean matchup, as I mentioned already, with Singletary. He's earned double-digit targets back-to-back weeks, and he's shown an explosive ceiling and a real connection with C.J. Stroud, who we've talked about already, is absolutely balling for a rookie. I don't see any scenario where that's going to stop this week. The total is where it is an appealing spot, uh, and I, you know, I'm on board with rostering this Houston passing attack. I, so I have a few. I, I have again? a few in consideration. Tankdell. Tankdell is a uh, like one C option for me in best okay. value. I think it's a obvious. It's not a wrong answer. It's still a correct answer, but it's not the guy I had in mind. There's Fair two enough. of them who are slightly above Tankdell in price that I was looking at: Debo and Garrett Wilson. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I like both of them a lot. And then for me, came back to the whole Brian Robinson, Antonio Gibson is Curtis Samuel. Finally, a really good value at 3,900. Those are the names that I'd be looking at. Quickly to touch on Garrett Wilson, because that's really where I'd like your opinion. If he's going to be playing uh, 14 targets last week, 13 the week before, 13 prior, 12 prior. So over the last four weeks, 12, 13, 13, 14. It is insane amount of volume. He is squeaky wheel gets the grease. He is very outspoken about how frustrated he is in this offense. So they are going to get him the ball. Uh, It is going to be potentially a very passing game script if Buffalo can just figure their shit out and score some points in this this game. Buffalo's really struggled in first half, so maybe the Jets even try and get out to an early lead. But what the Jets have done over the last few weeks, Mike, is they're starting to throw on first down. And it has really changed... Some of their offense, it's any week where we're talking about, oh, Zach Wilson actually looked better this week. And then the the next week we're going back to, he's trash, right? It's like we're switching off every week. But the one thing that they've changed that that has made his life a little bit easier, they're starting to throw on first down. So that's the reason why we're getting more volume. That's the reason why he's able to complete more easy passes because the defense is expecting rushes in these situations and he gets a quick read. Garrett Wilson at 6,400 in what's potentially a high scoring game on this slate was a very appealing value to me. Yeah. His price is great. I really, really want to click it. Um, I just worry about his absolute like upside to, to be where you need it to be, to win a tournament. Just obviously he's, he's viable to just break one off. Like he did. What was that? Dallas. Um, and, and, take it to the house, but, and yes, Buffalo's defense is riddled with injuries. So it makes all the sense in the world. There's just, maybe it's a me thing, but I can't get, I still can't get past Zach Wilson. Just, he's not that guy. 
and yeah but he's got he's got he's got at least 14 he's got more than 15 points pretty much every single week except for since week four except for week five which was against denver which we know has certain who's gonna man up against and follow you around so do you do you have his points up right now yeah or not what's what's the highest one though is is my point 20.6 right like that's that's good but yeah like seven for a hundred yeah and a rushing like that's that's fine but that's like they'll get you to like a min cash or something but right i just just, i don't think he's got a 30 point bag in him anymore for me for me it was more of a cash gameplay yeah no that's fine yeah absolutely yep all right that makes some sense Let's go over to tight end. Uh, sad news where we lost Mark Andrews on Thursday Ugh, night. Of course, yeah. he wouldn't have been on the slate, but we'll have to have an Isaiah Likely discussion next week. Quickly, how much fab do you spend on Likely in a season long? I don't know. I'm a little concerned, right? This is I'm the very best, concerned. This is the best weaponry that, like last year, they didn't have Odell. They had Bateman was hurt. They didn't have Zay Flowers. So you weren't a fan of to... Devin Duvernay? <laughs> Duvernay? Duvernay. Um, <laughs> they didn't have Todd Monk and who as a competent offensive coordinator, right? So and he came in, you know, that was what the first series of the game that Andrews got hurt. And first or second. Two and targets, zero up... receptions. Goose exactly. <laughs> so not a lot. I wouldn't go crazy with it. I think there's, you know, there's better options probably on the waiver. It's, it's obviously league specific, but I'd rather have like Musgrave or Tyler, Tyler Higby or likely mm, Higby, especially if Stafford's healthy. If Stafford's not healthy, then probably then likely, likely, but um... <laughs> in Joku in Joku with, Whoever's yeah. being, is it going to be PJ Walker? Is it going to be DTR? It's DTR. It's DTR. Right? Yeah. It really should be PJ Walker. XFL legend PJ Walker. Um, he was even decent on the Panthers last year. DTR was bad yeah. earlier this season. He he has left me and you he scarred. Was, he was a preseason all star. So I don't know. Yeah, there's a lot of those. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm gonna wait. Like this is his first time getting a full week to prepare. So last time that was like a. Oh, Saturday, Watson's ruled out. Yep. So he got thrown in on Sunday. Um, so I, you Njoku? know, I'm I'm nervous about Njoku. We'll see. Maybe he's like a safety blanket for DTR, but uh, eh, I yeah, probably that, that's where it gets really dicey. If you have Njoku as your only tight end because he's been really serviceable, you are in the market for Isaiah Likely and hoping to figure it out over the next few yeah. weeks. I'd probably um, rather have like. Even with Burrow out, like Drew Sample or Wow, that's a fucking hot take. All right, let's go through <laughs> these these tight ends on the board. Kittle, highest spend or options. Hudson? Hudson is what I meant, not Drew Sample. Tyler Hudson. Either anyway, yeah, he's, he's been decent. Yeah, I, I I figure they've been like featuring all three tight ends. That's what that's what freaks me out a little yeah, bit. Uh, for sure, Kitt, Kittle's the highest spend option on the board. Coming into the game with back-to-back 20-plus weeks, but let me point out that last week was four targets and a 50-yard yeah. touchdown, which was a fluke. If we're talking about the flukes and why they happen, you go, oh, Kittle was probably playing against Mike in season-long fantasy last week. And the answer would be, <laughs> you were right. I was going against Kittle and Devin Singletary and all those guys who popped off last week. That's why I took the L. Um so I, I I don't know. I don't like Kittle this week. Laporta is finally in an amazing matchup where I actually might play him. Uh it's it's yeah. I haven't played him, although he's just been amazing this season. I haven't actually played him yet. Uh Dalton Schultz doesn't seem like he could be slowed down. So I like that option. Kincaid has been balling. Isn't it crazy that we have two rookie tight ends in the top four? Jake Ferguson, yeah. Trey McBride have been both been coming on strong. McBride is someone that really catches my eye with Kyler. Kyler's always been a big tight end thrower. He's in a yep. system in the Cardinals that has still been very tight end focused. If we look at uh, who's where, where their where'd Gannon come from? The Eagles, correct? Yes. And we saw Goddard have a great year last year and kind of take a hit this year under a new OC. We saw Ertz be the tight end uh, target hog in the beginning. Now that seems to just be Trey McBride. So that's a very safe 
player and system to play into. Uh, mm-hmm. And then there's, you know, the usuals, the Evan Ingrams that we've talked about so many weeks, not a great matchup this week. Cole Komet does have a decent matchup and he's been playing really well is just simply on the opposite side of Laporta in that Chicago Detroit game. Logan Thomas is always kind of interesting, especially if you're playing Howell against the Giants. Uh, Higby with the Matt Stafford combination against the Seattle Seahawks, where the Rams are the clear sharp side. None of these guys, none of these guys, like those are the options that I would choose from, but none of them really stick out to me. So help me out. For cash games, I think it's easy. You just click McBride and you move along. Um, He's like you already touched on his connection with Kyler, the tight end heavy approach. It's a it's a decent matchup. I expect them to be throwing the ball a lot. And he's just, you know, he's he's the guy, you know, Marquise Brown. (laughs) That's crazy that we're saying that. I know, you know, he he was talented, right? He won the Mackey Award in college for best tight end. So he, he can't be bad. Um, you know, he, he looks the part he's, he's been awesome so far. So I'm going to continue to ride that train. Um, like, like if you want to play Kincaid, I get it at 4,900 or Schultz at 5,000, but I think they're all kind of the same. So I'll just take the 600 or $500 savings and, and play McBride, but that's, he's cash only for me. Cause I, his ownership that I'm seeing in like large, even in large field stuff is over 30%. So that's an easy fade in tournaments for me. Chalky, cheap tight ends just, and if he crushes me, he crushes me and I move on. Um, I do like Schultz and Kincaid, like I mentioned, if you want to spend down, um, I think you could do worse than Donald Parham. At thirty one hundred, is Everett out? I think yeah, he's so. Out. Yeah, so, and this dude, he's what six foot eight or something ridiculous. He's he's a target in the end zone for yeah, just easily Herbert. have two catches for three yards and two touchdowns. Yep, exactly. <laughs> even if even if he just has one, you know, and you get ten right. DraftKings points at a thirty one hundred, yeah, that's for sure. Yep. So. All right, let's go over to defense and wrap this up. Any defenses that just clearly stick out to you? I mean, obviously the ones at the top, but if we're going value on defenses, where do, where does your mind go to? Yeah, before I get, like, I don't get why everyone, well, I guess I do, but it seems like everyone and their brother is piling in to play the commander's defense at 3,600. Commander's defense stinks. I know it's Tommy DeVito, but... Like, I don't... They also just traded Chase Young and Montez Sweat. Right. It's just, I don't and know that, that. Right. I don't know. I just, I don't get it. But um, I think the Dolphins are interesting at 3,200. Um, the Jets at 2,600. The reason they have the record that they do is because of their defense. Obviously, we know Josh Allen has thrown an interception in... I don't know what is it 300 games in a row now. Um you know you can't you can't base it off that narrative but um I don't I like I don't expect their offense to change at all this week just because Ken Dorsey got fired they're coming on a short week. I don't know what Joe Brady can really change in 6 days. Um so I think you could do like I don't see Buffalo blowing the Jets out, right? They they could put some points on him, but you know he's he's always kind of struggled against the Jets. Um, obviously, if you're playing Allen, don't play the Jets. But they'd be the lowest that I go down with. But um, Giants. That that's where like, I was gonna go. Yeah, mine's the Giants. Three thousand. Yeah, is, Giants. Fine. They they played the Commanders a few weeks ago in a fourteen to seven game, which I guess is why everyone's gravitating to to playing this again. Yeah, Commanders defense had nine fantasy points. Giants defense had fourteen. Commanders right. and Sam Howell get sacked relentlessly. Giants actually have a good defensive line, so I actually think I'm just going to be playing into the Giants, hoping for a low score game where you get four or five sacks, and then yep. potentially 
a big play or an interception or a, a house what house call of, of some sort. Uh, Giants would be my play. Of course, if you have the money, Cowboys, Bills, yeah. 49ers, <laughs> even the Browns this week uh, against Kenny Pickett and the Steelers, probably even the Steelers this week against yeah. uh, either one DTR yeah. and the Browns. Like these are all very juicy spots. There's a lot of good high spend options at defense. So pick of the litter there. Uh, if you're going low spend for me, it is uh, New York Giants. Fair Mike, enough. Any bets that you have this weekend before I get into it? I am on the Rams plus one. I got that. Plus really. one. Now that's out to yeah. minus one and a half. Good for you. You thinking of any buybacks or no? Uh, if it gets, if it creeps up a little more, I'll consider it. I don't know if one and a half is enough. Yeah. You tell me. <laughs> it is it is enough that it presents value because we'll get nerdy for a second. One is the sure. sixth most common outcome of NFL games. It happens slightly below the 5% threshold, which you'll need to be uh, profitable on either side. Well, you have a push on one side and then a win on the other. So, but it, so you're paying a 5% implied probability when you open up a middle if you have minus 110 odds on both sides and you're paying 1.1% unit to win one on both so you have a max loss of 0.1 units and you have a max win of two units so you have a 20 to 1 payout which is a five percent implied probability so opening up that uh that spot is going to be a little less valuable than one if you're just looking blanket what are the numbers but then we have to add in the caveat of this is a division game that is the point spread is floating between one and one and a half. When I use these data points to say, oh, one happens about just under 5% of the time and it's the sixth most common outcome, that's relative to Giants commanders at an eight and a half points spread. Vegas Raiders, Dolphins at a 13 and a half. Panthers, uh, Cowboys at a 10 and a half. There is a clear added boost. I'm going to keep the amount to myself. Uh, that's a little one of my secrets. So I would say, yes, Secret it sauce. is worth it. Uh, <laughs> I can tell you that off. I, I'm happy to share with the offline some of the math of the middling and what these added bonuses that you get for where the price is and how the line moves relative to those prices and what added percents you can just tack on and say, okay, now it's this much more likely. It would be worth it. However, you also are foregoing just having a positive CLV ticket and letting that ride. So you have value already. It's a matter mm -hmm. of do you want to play back some of the value? The only way that I would say it would be worth it is if you put down a lot of money on the, the plus one. Like if you were planning to do it the whole time, right? So there's some bets that I notice this line is going to move. And not only is this line going to move, I'm so sure of it. I have such a high degree of certainty that instead of just playing the one unit where I like to acquire some CLV and then let it ride, I'll play three, four, five, ten units on a line, knowing that it's going to move and then just backtracking it with seven units the other way, right? So then I am still have a three-unit max exposure play for me, but I actually have a middle that potentially costs me one unit if it doesn't hit based on VIG prices, but it could pay out me 17 units and have a really yeah. high ceiling. So if you the, the way to do it is when you really hammer a line. If it's a standard size bet, I'm more of just like letting it ride. But there's value across the board. Uh, so you're going to be on Seahaw, uh, Rams plus one. Mike, yes, I will sir. quickly, quickly say, and feel free to jump off if you got to run. I'm going to be on the Jaguars minus six and a half. It is now out to seven. I still think it's playable. I think this Jaguars team finally has a good rest schedule. Their travel schedule has been brutal the last five or six weeks. That's yeah. why they started looking tired and got smacked in the mouth last week. It was just a accumulation of a really hard schedule. I think this is the week where they bounce back. It is a nice Billy Walters tip, tip, trick, tip and trick. <laughs> Billy Walters is the greatest sports gambler of all time. He wrote a book called... Uh, the secret life, like gambler, the secret life of uh, whatever. Great book. Highly suggest Good reading promo. it. <laughs> yeah. Great promo. But in that book, he gives some like advanced uh, breakdown of some, how you're pricing out lines. And one of the things he says is if a team is coming off at a 20 point loss, give them two more points for them the next week. If they're coming off a 30 point loss, give them three. He likes to play into a we need to wake the fuck up angle, a 
We got smacked in the mouth last week. We were not getting embarrassed again. Uh, a lot of people like the, oh, they're, they're going to just get rolled over and embarrassed twice. You could apply those to the Giants when the team fucking sucks. But when you look yep. at a team like the Jaguars and they get smacked in the mouth, they normally come out sharp the next week. So I really like that angle. The other one that I like is the Denver Broncos minus two and a half mm -hmm. available on DraftKings right now. It's moving out to three, which we know when a line moves between two and a half and three, you take it blindly. If there's threes on the board and the line opened at two and a half and you could still grab a two and a half, there is so much value obtained by getting that movement. You take it blindly. I don't care about the cap. I don't care about how you want to view the game. And if you think Sean Payton's finally bringing this team together or they're going against uh, the Vikings who are coming off five wins and is it worth fading Dobbs again or how long? Forget all of that. You have a line that went from two and a half to three and you can still get a two and a half. You do it. So very easy way to explain my two best bets. Jaguars minus six and a half. Denver Broncos minus two and a half. Mike, you are on the Rams plus one. We, of course, are going to be competing for some tournaments because we just put that together. Great episode. Some great tidbits. Some great plays. So I will see you in the lobbies. Uh, good luck this weekend. Thank you for taking the time. And I'll talk yeah. to you next week. Sounds good, brother. All right. Good luck, everyone. Peace out.